Church, we've, we're, we're heading into what the Bible, not the Bible, but what the theologians in the church calls the, the, the passion narrative. We're about to head into everything that leads up to what they call Holy Week, that leads up to Easter, uh, that leads up to the, the, the death and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, um, Jesus Christ. And last week, we found him in a very intimate setting with his disciples. Um, he handed them a cup and he handed them a piece of broken bread and he said, do this and remember me, okay? To remember means that something has come to pass. You're here and you're looking back upon something and what they were going to look back on was the death of their mentor, their teacher, their rabbi, their friend. And when you take of the cup, remember me. He'd had an intimate, deep moment of, of, of washing of feet, of the taking of the bread, of the taking of the blood, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And then when he began to speak to them, what he spoke to them was this. If you're going to lead, you must serve. If you're going to win, you must lose. If you're going to rise, you must fall. If you're going to be a leader in my movement, you are going to need to wash the feet of your friends and your enemies. Those who lead serve. And then it's almost as if he just stood up. As if this whole beautiful thing didn't come to a gong or a crushing ending, but it was like, that's what I have to say. And he stands up and he heads out. Dinner's over. I mean, it wasn't even a mic drop moment. Looking back, it was, but it wasn't. It was just kind of a, all right then. I mean, I, I see the guys looking at each other like, uh, should we go? Should we say what? Um, Peter's like, I'm going. And James and John, we're going to go on too. And everybody just, okay, here we go. And they get out to uh, the, the, the Mount of Olives, the Mount of, of Olives. And they're heading into the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And I've told you this before, but some of you would not have been here and others of you need to be reminded from an incredible book that I went through that we still share, the, the book of mysteries, a uh, Jewish rabbi uh, who is also a, a Christian, what we will call a Ju Judeo-Christian, um, wrote this amazing book. And, and in it, he, he, he told the story of what is called the Gat Shamanim, the Gat Shamanim, and it's the oil press, all right? They used wheat presses and olive presses, and what they would do is they would take this giant stone and put a big stick through it, and they would a lot of times tie an animal to it. It was so heavy, and it would go around, and the, the stone would roll, this wheel would roll in this thing, and you would throw the wheat, or you would throw, in this case, the olives in, and the olives would be crushed and the oil would spill out and it was the crushing of the olives that gave the oil and in the Old Testament the oil was used to cleanse to identify holiness to bring hope to set forth you know when they would baptize babies to set forth in the spirit all right and I want you to hear this the Gat Shamanim was the 
olive press where the Spirit was released, all right, to do what the Spirit does. Gatshamanim is where we get the word Gethsemane, where Jesus was pressed, crushed in his spirit, and what would come of this moment would set forth in motion how the Spirit would free all of us. We're about to experience the emotional crushing, the spiritual smashing of our Lord. But he warns them. We have this hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go kind of outlook on Christianity sometimes. Show up for church, head to the Walmart, hit up Sonny's, go home, Sunday, happy Sunday, smile, everything's going to be okay because, you know, Jesus, 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 I'm a Christian, maybe they'll be a Christian too someday, happy, happy, joy, joy, right? And, and we just, mm, you know, it, can it be good? Yes, yes but we act like it, it just makes the mountains flat. We act like it makes, you know, no hard times. No, 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 no. And Jesus is making his way to this last thing after this intimate moment. And here's what he says. Kind of an odd passage. We're going to hit three short passages in the next 15 to 20 minutes. Here it is. Then Jesus asked them. Okay, so he's like, uh, let me ask you a question. I'm not making a statement. I'm asking a question. I'm going to make a statement with my question, but you know, I'm Jesus, so I can do that. Then Jesus said to them, when I sent you without a purse, a bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. The first time Jesus called them, they were tested Okay? He pulls them out of their um, tax collecting jobs. He pulls them out of their fishing jobs. He asks them to leave their mothers and their fathers behind and follow him. And then he says, we're going to spend a little bit of time together. And even though you're not ready, and how do I know they were not ready? Because Jesus is about to die three years later and they're still not ready. But, you know, he sends them out because that's what he's supposed to do. But he says, I want you to go. Just go into the cities, go into the towns and take nothing with you. You got your clothes on, that's enough. You won't need extra shoes. You won't need food. You won't need money. Just go. Wait, well, we, should, we should pack a, an emergency bag, right? No, no, pack nothing. Go. And he says, you didn't want to do that, but when you did that, what happened? Did you eat? Yep. Did you sleep? Yep. Did you have covering? Yep. Did it work out just like I said it would? Yep. Right then. Don't you think in the back of his mind, Jesus was like, I'm pretty used to that been going that way for, I don't know, ever. Now he said to them, now, if you have a purse, take it. And if you have a bag, take it. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. It is written, he was numbered with the transgressors. He was included in with the robbers, the thieves, and the murderers. He was counted among 
the criminals. And I tell you, this must be fulfilled in me. I'm saying to you, there is no other option. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. You've watched the things that the Bible says was going to come true, come true. You've watched the things that I said were going to go through, go through. You have not accepted the fact that what is about to happen is going to happen, but you need to understand that it has got to happen and it's going to happen now. So the disciples being the, you know, quick jump to conclusion guys that they were, well, Lord, got it. There's two swords right here. Just like men, right? All of this stuff goes on and you say the word guns. Oh, guns, I got guns. You know, Yosemite Sam. All right, that's what they did. Didn't hear anything about the bags, anything about the purses, anything about the wallets. Oh, no, somebody said sword. <laughs> My question is, there's 11 of them. Judas is already gone. There's 11 of them. What are two swords going to do? The other nine guys are like, Panama. Jesus is like, that's enough. Okay? You need to understand that the, that's enough is not about the swords. Two swords is not enough for nine guys. He's not saying, oh, yeah, two swords. Woohoo, that'll do. No, it's not what's going on here. He's saying, fellas, that's enough. Because what's getting ready to happen is you're getting ready to argue just like you did a few minutes ago about who gets to hold the sword and who doesn't get to hold the sword, how many swords you think you need and how many swords you don't think you need. You missed the point already. Church, let me just assure you of something. I believe that we as a body of believers are heading in the right direction, right? I believe that we're doing some very good things. Even so, I also believe, and God is convicting me, which you will hear more about over the next year, maybe year and a half, that we are misinterpreting, misrepresenting, and messing up some things. Hmm? And Jesus wants to say to us sometimes, oh, so proud of you there, so proud of you there. Oh, that's enough. <laughs> I'm going to need you to come back over here on that one, okay? And we, we're, we're going to have to, we're going to have to, the body of Christ at Nicholasville Baptist at NBC on Main is going to have to go through some of that, okay? Got just a little bit of foreshadowing, just letting you know, okay? Throwing it out there. Now, Jesus looks at him and he says, that's enough. Yes, here's what I need you to understand. Just because, listen to this phrase, the battle belongs to whom? Say it, church. The battle belongs to whom? That still lets you know that there's going to be a yes. Just because the battle belongs to the Lord doesn't mean you're going to walk through without a battle. God's going to win. We're just going to walk on over there and it's really not going to happen. We're just going to win. And win what? There's going to be a battle. I am getting ready to fulfill all the things. I am actually about to make a statement you don't know I'm about to make that lets Satan know that, yep, this one's yours. I'm going to look the devil in the eye and say, hey, yep, your time is now. 
Jesus is going to what? Ah, ah. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. Prepare for battle. Follow me. We win. But it's going to be a rough go. You with me? How rough? Let's take the Son of God and look at how rough. Jesus went out to the Mount of Olives. His disciples followed them. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Pray that you will not fall into temptation. I want you to listen to me because I'm going to make a statement that I've made over and over again that you need to hear again. Jesus said, pray that you don't fall into temptation. Is temptation sin? Come on, church, you need to know the answer to some of these questions and you need to be able to say them with authority because I find authority, authority always wins. So you, I'm just kidding, you're welcome. All right, you need to be able to say, is temptation sin? No, it is not. Temptation becomes sin when you honor or fall into the desire that the temptation brings you. That's when it's sin. Temptation in and of itself is not sin. However, we have a eternity track record of when we are in temptation, we end up sinning. That's right. So Jesus decides not to look at his people and go, do you know what I wish? I wish that you wouldn't sin. No, he doesn't say that. He says, pray, ask God that you won't even be in a situation where you could choose between God and something else because you're going to choose something else. Church, let me completely throw Jesus's words out to you. Pray that you do not come into temptation. If you struggle with food, pray that God does not put in a new buffet. If you struggle with the beverage, pray that God does not bring a new bar into your neighborhood. If you struggle with sexuality, pray that your parents take your phone and that you move your computer to the living room. Every teenager's like, say, hmm. Yes. I'm not going to look at you guys. A wise teenager who loved Jesus and did not want to fall into temptation would say, Mom, Dad, I need you to cut every app on my phone that could bring pornography, anything lustful into my world. And if I'm going to be on a computer, I'd like it to be where my sister, my brother, my pastor, my friends can see the screen. Why would you do that? Because that way I can make sure that everything I see pleases Jesus. Well, wouldn't that keep you off of TikTok? Does it please Jesus? Well, 80% of what I look at pleases Jesus. 80% of the time I'm faithful to my wife. Does that work out well? Anybody got a problem with that? Besides Jamie? 
Does that work out well for any of you? 80% of the time, I, 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 I'm faithful to my wife. So that's way more than 20%. Thank you, Jesus. TikTok it is. No! No! Why do you always talk about social media? Because social media is the reason you all are and think how you are and think right now. You are with it eight hours a day. You're with me 40 minutes a week. Guess which one wins? Pray that you will not fall into temptation. Well, I'm not sinning. Not yet. He sent them with one prayer. Don't do anything that might cause you to do something wrong. That was the prayer. Pray that. I'll be right back. He went a stone's throw away far enough to be alone, close enough that they might know what he's going through. He knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Let's stop something right now. Jesus did not. Jesus did not. He will. He will, but he did not on this occurrence come in with a giant flag and a giant sword and a giant shield and go, I've come to die. I'm looking forward to dying. Please stick nails in my hands and in my feet. Stick a sword in my side because that's what I want. I'm a masochist. Kill me now. No. He did not do that. He did not want to do that. Here's how we know. Hey, God, got to be honest with you. Daddy. I'm here now, I've come all the way here now, and if you're gonna allow it, this is our last chance, I'd like to turn back. Do not think for a minute that Jesus wanted to die this way. Well, I, I, you don't understand, I want, you don't understand, I want, you don't understand, I want, I don't care. Do you want what God wants, or do you want to fake it? That's the options. I don't apologize for that. We are a room full of half-wits. If we were put up on a screen, this is the things I do for the Lord. What we want is you to turn the screen off before it gets to the parts you don't. That's what you want. Show the part of my movie on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings and at small group that looks good to the rest of the world. Do not show Sunday morning before church. Do not show Saturday night late. Do not show Friday. Do not show those things. Jesus said, I don't want to. And God lovingly said, I don't. In so many words, that's exactly what happened. Father, let this cup pass from me. That is a reference to taking the poison. Back in the Greek, now the, the, the Greeks and the Romans and all them, they were in charge of the world at this time, right? Rome is rising to power. We'd come through all the philosophical people, right? And, and, and what they used to do is if someone was condemned to die, all of the men, including the condemned, would sit in a circle and they would pass a, a cup full of hemlock. It was a poison. They would pass it around and each person would put it to their lips, but only the condemned would drink. And then moments later, that person would pass on. That's how the executions were carried out. And Jesus is saying, Daddy, I, I know that, that where we're heading here. 
I know that my execution is coming. I want to pass the cup. Semicolon. All through the Bible, there are semicolons. Pay attention to them. They set you up and then they tell you how. Semicolon. Not my will, but yours be done. This is what I want. Semicolon. This is what I'm going to do. Jesus is looking for a church full of semicolon servants. I'm going to say it again. Jesus is looking for a church full of semicolon servants. This is what my flesh, my body, my soul, this is what I want. But I will act out what you want. I will act out what you want. I'm going to make a confession here. I'm going to make a confession that some of you will like because you'll be appreciative because you've let me know you're appreciative when I'm open about my, 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 my shortcomings, okay? Others of you, you're not gonna like it well because of what I'm gonna say. As I've been walking and listening to some books, I have missed about the last three or four chapters over the last three or four days. And I have missed it because I'm angry. What happens to an ADHD mind is when something grabs hold, <laughs> doesn't matter what's going on. It, do, it doesn't matter. You just are like, oh, huh, a zebra. What are you doing here? Why are you in my neighborhood? I'm supposed to, it happens. So when my mind goes on something, and I'm gonna tell you why I'm angry. I'm angry because I love you. You don't get angry, deeply angry, like hurt angry, like the kind of anger you have to apologize for God for. You don't get that angry unless you care about somebody, right? You hurt the ones you, and when you're hurt by someone, it doesn't hurt you that bad if your enemy does it. But boy, if somebody you love does it, I promise you Jesus understands it's about to happen in the next text. But I want you to hear why I'm angry. I'm angry because a lot of you are full of talk. That's it. That's my confession. I'm angry because a lot of you are full of talk. I sit with you. I talk with you. I run with you. I eat with you. I go and you tell me exactly what you want me to hear. You tell me exactly what you feel comfortable saying but there is absolutely no change in you. And that makes me angry. And I confess that that is sinful. I shouldn't be angry at you. I don't know what I should feel, but I know that anger's not it because if I lash out in anger, we're gonna have trouble. So I've got to ask God to work in me. But the phrase on my heart as I was in the shower, working through this this morning. My anger, because I love you, was this. If there's no change, there'll be no change. I'm gonna say it again. If there's no change, there'll be no change. I'm angry because you're the same as you were a year ago. Some of you are less servants, less givers, less attenders than you were a year ago. And that makes me angry. 
and it should because I'm your pastor. If it doesn't anger me, what am I doing here? I'm confessing that I need prayer to respond with kindness, wisdom, and discernment and not with anger, rage, and contempt. Okay? I don't want to do that and thus far I have not. Okay? However, my heart is breaking and I need an angel from heaven to strengthen me. (laughs) Okay? But until that time, now, off of my working through my own temptation, all right? You work through yours. And being in anguish, he played so earnestly. Being in anguish, he prayed so earnestly. Being in anguish, he played so earnestly that his sweat was like drops of blood falling on the ground. That's an actual medical condition. It is 100% a medical condition where the anxiety and the the body can respond in such a way that the, 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 the pressure, literally, think, think beyond migraine, all right? Think beyond the most stressful, anxious, literal breaking point your mind can have. And the capillaries, because of the pressure and because of the fear and because of the stress, actually burst just the very ends. And as you sweat, the blood trickles in with the sweat. It's a literal medical condition. Jesus is so physically anguished by his emotional anguish that this is what is happening to him. What can push you that far when one of your best friends is about to stab you in your back, but then your dad's standing right there and doesn't stop it? Which hurts worse? Your daddy's standing right there and doesn't do anything about it. That's where we are. God said no. He rose from prayer and went back to the disciples and found them asleep. We like to blame them, and we should. But they weren't asleep because they were being lazy. They weren't asleep because they didn't care. They were asleep because their emotional exhaustion took over. Exhausted from sorrow. Their souls were empty. Why are you sleeping? You see, God questions them even though there's a good excuse, right? God questions them even though there's a good excuse, right? I'm going to say it again for the people in the front and the back. God questions them even though there's a good excuse. And he says again, get up and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. Get up, cover yourselves, be aware, stay with me. And while he was still speaking, a crowd came up. And a man called Judas, a man who was at the table with him when they left the room, who is not with him in the garden, returns to the garden and you need to know the scene. Listen, the man who was called Judas, one of the 12, was leading them. Between the four books of the Bible, we can put together who them is. Them is a group of 
political criminals who have made a deal with Judas to get Jesus far away from the city, far away from where the people will praise him in the dark and identify him in the dark, right? And they choose a kiss to do that. That's how the person he kisses on the cheek is the one they're supposed to arrest. They gather (laughs) to go get a man in a bathrobe and a pair of flip-flops in the middle of an olive garden. They gather some Pharisees, that's political religious leaders, all right? Some Sadducees, that's legal religious leaders. So they get the town council, the mayor, all of the attorneys. They get the sheriff's office and then they call in one to 2,000 of the National Guard to go after a man in a toga and a pair of flip-flops at night in a garden with 11 buddies who know how to fish and two swords. Overkill? Jesus said to him, Judas, let's be clear. Are you going to betray the Son of Man with a kiss? See, he didn't lash out. He didn't lash out. Listen to me. Jesus is not just the Son of Man. He's also what? The Son of God. Which means he knows what's next, but it's not It's beyond this decision. If this decision plays out, he knows what's next. So hear the question with the answer. Are you sure you want to do this? What happens in the next two chapters? Judas, full of grief, kills himself, disemboweled. Jesus gave him a shot. You sure? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen. Lord, shall we strike with our swords? This is where you really get to know yourself and this is where you really get to know the disciples, all right? So they ask the question, but they're already in the act, <laughs> right? They're already in the act. God, do you want us to, do you want us to come at them with swords? Ah! And the ears fly. Now, how tense is the situation? when a fisherman swinging a sword with a thousand soldiers in front of him. It's got to be pretty darn tense. But Jesus doesn't cower. He doesn't get scared. They're like this. And Jesus is like, don't do that. Calm. I mean, listen, listen. One of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Before anybody could swing or kill or shoot or do anything, Jesus said, no more of this. And if you don't hear what's in this line, you're missing it all. Right here. The person in control, in complete control of this entire story is laid before you. Random people wanting to do the right thing. A thousand to two thousand people wanting to make arrests. People wanting to kill and execute Jesus. And the guy in the robe is fully and completely in charge. Doesn't raise his hand. Doesn't do anything. He simply says, that's enough. And just like the wind and the waves and the ocean and the seas, everyone within earshot goes, well, okay. Come on. There is an intense war battle situation 
And Jesus, stop. In fact, in one of the books, when Jesus picks up the ear, it says that he turns and when he speaks, everything in front of him, all the people fall. They fall right before him. Don't you think he would want to go a little bit? No. War's coming. But not for me. It takes war to bring peace. It takes death to bring life. It takes brokenness to bring healing. Now you're catching on. Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple guard, walks right up to the guys who think they're in charge. <laughs> I fellas, <clears throat> it is, is there some people with me I don't know about? Do we have some weapons hiding in the bags we brought that uh, we should have come through some security gates for? Because there's a whole lot of you folks and uh, we're just up here praying with the olives. Um, why the tanks? Why the guns? Why the night vision goggles? You know, why'd you call SWAT? Uh, you okay? <laughs> I mean, Jesus is playing with them. He is. Dallas, you coming after some kind of massive criminal here? Because... Uh, we're just having Sunday school. Am I leading a rebellion that you have come in with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts. I mean, I'm not afraid of you. I've come down. I've gone to church with you. Come on. Do you hear what he's saying here? I've been in your small group. I've gone to church with you. I've shopped at Kroger with you. I've been at Walmart with you. Anytime you wanted, you could have just grabbed me. I'd have come with you. No, 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 no. Call in the cavalry. Bring the army in the middle of the night. Let's go get this really, really, really bad guy. Okay. And then he says it. Then he says the part you need to hear. This is your hour. Notice he clarifies. This is your what? Which means what? What happens at minute 61? It's no longer your hour. This is your time. Mr. Devil, might want to step up, do your little dance now, laugh, giggle, <laughs> whatever you got to do. This is, this is your time to do it. Here shortly, it won't ever be done again. Ever. I love Jesus. Not as, not as well as I should, but I, I do love him. I want you to love him. I want you to fall for a powerful, meek Jesus. I want you to fall for a, a hurting, but, but, but totally obedient Jesus. I want you to fall for a God who could have saved himself, but didn't. He saved you. In that moment, when his followers wanted him to stop it all, he did just not like they thought. Had, they, had he done what they wanted, he would have lived and they would have died because he did what God wanted. He died and they all live. 
And three days later, he lives too. You have to go through the storm to see the rainbow. You have to go through the battle to see the peace. You have to go through the brokenness of repentance and confession to experience the freedom. Let's pray. God, may my words, may my feelings, may my brokenness, may my stupidity, may, may, may all the things, may they be removed so that um, these people can hear your word, experience your presence, and be challenged by your life and death. All these things we pray in Jesus' name and amen.